Hello and welcome to Access Chat. I'm really, really genuinely excited, more so than usual, uh, because today we've got Stephanie Kidder on who is the first Chief Accessibility Officer of a country that any of us know. So welcome, Stephanie, and congratulations to you and to Canada for taking this really impactful step and putting accessibility at the, the heart of the nation. So thank you. Really brilliant to have you with us um, and, and thank you for making the time. I know you're up really early um, because you're on the Pacific Coast and we, we're recording this in uh, afternoon UK time, which is very early morning for you. So thank you. Um, no, no Antonio today, he's traveling, um, but Deborah and I are really keyed up to talk to you about your role. So, but first off, so can you tell us a little bit about background and how you came into the role? And then I'd love to hear about what it means to be the Chief Accessibility Officer of a country. Well, um, thank you first uh, for having me on. I've been following you for quite some time, so it's an honor for me as well. Um, ooh, that was loud. Um, and uh, so my background, um, well, I've been around a while, um, not new to the space. Uh, I, I had a spinal cord injury when I was 18, um, which sort of thrust my life on a completely different path than I had intended. Um, but uh, after bouncing around a little bit, uh, I, uh, I ended up in working for a not-for-profit organization. Um, in an entrepreneurial role, which suited my my background and skills, um, to build a peer support program for people with spinal cord injuries, and um, I did that. And and while doing that, sort of really found my groove uh, inside the not for profit sector, but starting to look more at uh, the larger issues, advocacy, um, and uh, our relationship with government, and so on. Um, that led uh, to me being approached to run for public office, uh, which I did. And uh, I served the last 13 years uh, as a provincial uh, member of the legislature and uh, represented my community. Um, and I spent seven years at the cabinet table in a variety of roles um, as Minister of um, Social Development, uh, which which carried the disability file, uh, Minister of Children and Families, which also carried uh, a large uh, portion of the disability file as it related to children, um, and uh, and a number of, or a couple of other roles uh, for shorter periods before that, um, and uh, then this this role came about. Um, the federal government passed the Accessible Canada Act in 2019. Yay. Um, and, and that was a long time coming, obviously, uh, you know, being neighbors to the U.S., we were uh, obviously aware of, of what was going on with the ADA for a very long time. But I think actually Canada thought, well, we don't need to do that because we're we're just doing it for all the right reasons. Um, but myself included, rose colored glasses off um, and understanding over 30 years that we needed a lot more stick and a little less carrot. Um, and so, hence, uh, I think the federal government moved with the Accessible Canada Act, and it was unanimously passed by Parliament. So that was uh, a good sign. 
2019. This this role uh, was one of the legislated roles inside the act. And uh, when when they advertised uh, they were looking for someone, I decided I I need to just put my hand up, and here I am. Excellent. I, um, you mentioned there are two roles, so to, so there is also the the com- commissioner. Correct. Role as well. So, so yeah. the Accessible Canada Act, landmark piece of legislation, um, and you've got these two roles. So, so you've got the, the commissioner and the the CAO. What are the, the the two? What do the two different roles do? How do they play out? And which one has the? the and stick? actually, there's there's three actually roles. Exactly. The because the Act put in place Accessibility Standards Canada, which is an organization. Um, yeah which is in place to actually develop uh, and set the standards that may or may not uh, be put into law as regulation um, in all of the various areas. The Accessibility Commissioner was also appointed in May of this year when I was, um, and the Commissioner sits at the Human Rights Commission. um, And that role is to to, uh, monitor compliance and and enforcement of the act um, as we roll forward. Uh, It'll be the complaints mechanism for the the majority uh, of the organizations that are captured under the act. There's there's a, it's a bit complex when we get down there because there are a number of agencies that have that regulatory power for their certain area, but, but that's the, the complaints and enforcement mechanism. He's the bad guy. I like to say he's the bad guy. I'm the good I'm the, I'm the good cop inside government saying, let's do more. Um, so really my role is to to champion and challenge inside government. I would I would argue the work to the act. And my, my role is actually uh, as an independent special advisor to the minister responsible for the act. So I will provide to the minister on an annual basis. Uh, a report that will be tabled in Parliament about the progress we're making towards the goal of the Act or the goals of the Act, which is a barrier-free Canada by 2040, which seems like a long way away, but it is not. And uh, those of us who've worked in the field know it's going to take some time. Um, but but that is, that's my legislated role, is to act as an advisor to the minister. Um, I can provide other reports. I can do other things, um, but but that's the the one sort of mandatory annual uh, sort of uh, reporting structure for me. Um, and in that, I'm going to look not only at what we're doing and what what we're where we're we, like where we're making those gains, um, but also what are the emerging trends, issues, things we need to be aware of as we move forward. As things change in the world around us, um, are there places in the world that are ahead of us on something where we should be taking information and learning uh, and, and developing based on what is going on in other places? Um, so it, there's a lot of there's a lot of room uh, for me to to work, um, but I really do see the role uh, as I do that monitoring work. Um, it's really to also challenge and inspire inside government to keep this agenda front and center um, and to make sure that we are striving and not settling. Ooh, ooh, I love that last statement. Let's strive and not settle. Um, I, Stephanie, we talked about it before I got on, but I'm joining from the States and um, 
we in the States um, have made a, it's a little messy here. And, um, you know, our litigation is way up and we're going after each other. And I was, I was uh, actually speaking for Helen Keller yesterday and um, that one of the groups that, you know, Helen Keller and um, somebody said, well, but didn't, does it cause problems? And I said, absolutely. It mm-hmm. would have happened because of the way we're doing things in the States. It's all about compliance. It's all about litigation. Um, it, it's really created in us and them and we're fighting each other. And, and it's very obvious that that's happening in the States and sad. Mm-hmm. I'm also a little bit sad because I love my country so much that there, because I looked it up, there are, um, a hundred and um, eighty-five countries, including Canada and the UK, that have ratified the CRPD. But unfortunately, my beautiful country has not, and we're one of the few countries that haven't. That makes me sad as a citizen because once you leave our borders, you are not protected by our Americans with Disabilities Act. It also makes me sad that my government has not made a priority of creating a leader like you. Stephanie, um, for our country, because we've done a lot mm-hmm. to figure accessibility, human centered design, all that out. But, um, the, the thing that really is still really, um, freaking me out a bit is that we know how to make things accessible. I don't care how big your company is, how big your government it is. We actually know how to do it. Yeah but it's sort of a pain in the butt doing it some, and it's easy to forget and blah, blah, blah. So I like that Canada actually really is responding to what the citizens need. It doesn't, I'm sure you're super political and I don't even understand how political you are, but it just seems from looking from the United States into Canada, I, I just am so grateful that they appointed you and that we have a chief accessibility officer of a major country. And I really wonder what the other countries are doing because Canada set the bar. Really? Would it States? What the heck are you doing over there? So I want to say that, but I also want to say that it is our responsibility. Anyone that's watching this is our responsibility to get behind Stephanie and make her the best CAO that was ever created in the world because they did it first but she can't do it alone. She, I think of this, I can't help it, but I think of Obama didn't say, I, yes, I can. He said, yes, we can. We can. We can. Okay. So I, I just want to say that because I'm, I'm actually proud and envious of what you're doing in Canada. I would be curious because of my stupid U S brain, how will the enforcement Act at work because I know in the states we're doing it a little wildly. Um, we are suing people, and because we're suing people, and we've sued a lot of brands, corporate brands, but because we're doing that, they are trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But also, I think the problem we're causing is we're causing it only to be about a compliance conversation. And one more comment, Stephanie, then I'll be quiet. I, I remember speaking to somebody that's way up in the military of our metaverse, and they, and I was talking about this, and he was saying, "Oh, you mean five hundred eight? I said, "No, I don't." I'm not talking about compliance. I'm not talking about Section 508. I'm talking about we know how to design technology so that humans can use it. Could we please do that? Could we? We know how to do it now, Stephanie. So you have a very important role, but it must be really a little intimidating to be the first. (laughs) Thank you. It is. Let's be honest. Um, You know, there's a great deal of pressure. 
that I'm putting on myself to make sure that I, I, I do this the right way, um, that I set the office up for success, uh, no matter who follows, um, you know, I, and I hope I last long enough to, to, uh, to accomplish that. Um, but, you know, I think we are, you know, you, you mentioned, you mentioned compliance and, and litigation and, and how we're doing. It is, I think, always a challenge. And, you know, and I look at, at, at Canada has a robust human rights framework. So disability has always been protected. Um, but it doesn't mean that that has translated to inclusion or acceptance on the ground. And, you know, we talk about, um, you know, accommodations and, and these sorts of things. And we say, well, I'm doing it because I have to, you know, well, I have to do this. Not, not, Hey, what can we do to, to make sure that this works for everybody? Those two things sound very different. Um, And, and that approach is, is what I think ultimately is different. And and as I said earlier, um, you know, we didn't, we thought, oh, we're doing it well, we can do it, we can do it just with motivation. Um, and now we're realizing, well, we need a little more than motivation to get this done. But there is a balance to find, because I really don't believe, I mean, I believe societally, uh, certainly culturally in Canada, we have accepted the fact that people with disabilities are full citizens, should be included, should be everywhere, uh, have all the same rights. We, 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 you know, you talk to anybody, say, oh, well, of course, that, that should be accessible, you know. But it still hasn't translated into into action or into into a reality for people with disabilities, and and so really, what I see as our biggest challenge is culture. We still have to get at that unconscious bias that allows people to not do it right, right? You know, and it is not intentional. I really don't believe it is an intentional thing people set out to do. It is just that deep held belief. Um, in there somewhere from an experience in their life at some point that says disability is less. Disability is not as important. We don't have to worry about that. And it's not me. And what we need to get to is it's everybody. We need to just build things right in the first place. And, and what I ultimately want to leave is, you know, if, if it's not accessible, it's just wrong. Right. Right. It's amazing. Why would you build anything to leave people out? Why? We know how to do this. Okay, Neil, you go. <laughs> I'm going to not rant. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I think that, you know, you, you've already said you're the good cop. So you're, you, you know, you're, you're the one that is helping lead the culture change with the honey uh, or the carrots. Um, and, and we were on a panel together only about two weeks ago when we were talking about some of some of this. And I think that that culture change is part of also systemic change. And, and so is. there is a need through not just legislation, but your standards and the norms and how organizations and countries and political bodies and local society do these things that needs to change over time. And some of that's mindset and culture, but some of it's also process and um, and leading this through creating a framework that, that enables organizations to make that change. Because I think that 
Yeah. A lot of people look at this and go, yes, I know we should, but it's too hard. That, that, that sort of, oh, where do I start? And I haven't got much time. And, and, and so we have to right. make that time and, and give people, you know, and be realistic and pragmatic. And, and, and as members of the community, sometimes that's hard, right? Because we, we have our needs and we have our requirements to be included and what we're actually and what we're saying here is actually we're going to have to sort of wait for jam tomorrow um, because we can't all have jam today if we want everybody to yeah. be included. So, so by saying that you know you'll have an accessible Canada by 2040, you're creating the space to do some of that. So, um, which I think is important because I think you know surely you're going to be under pressure. Why can't you do it by 2030? That's eight years. Isn't that enough for you? Why so, can't we so do it by 2023? I'm yes, as anyone. Yes, yes, we should have done, but let's be real. So, <laughs> so what are the so what are the sort of strategic things that you do you think that will help industry and government and the Canadian you know public service start to embed this more? Because it's not just standards; it's 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 all of those other things. So, what what do you think can be the levers that drive this? Well, I think, you know, the way the, the legislation was drafted, the, ab, the the only regulation at this point, the only thing that they actually have to do right now um, is, is create a plan. It's go out, it's talk to people with disabilities in their organizations, in their public, um, develop a plan under these seven areas um, that the, that the legislation touches on employment communication, communication technology, um, transportation, built environment, um, procurement, policy and procedure, a policy and program. They have to look at all those areas and say, how are we doing? What do we need to do better? And how do we get there? Um, so, you know, that is the way we start to build a, a plan to 2040, right? And and allow them some space to, 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 to look at themselves and say, oh, well, I hadn't thought of that. Um, well, that doesn't make us bad. We just haven't done it. And now we can, because now we're, we've been told. Um, now we understand. And now we have a plan to get there. Because you're right, it, it we're all impatient. <laughs> um, members of the community are all impatient for very good reason. Um, but we also have to recognize that there's a lot of, this is a lot of change. Um, this is a lot, this is a lot of moving parts. Um, and there's things that are at some point that sometimes kind of competitive and counterintuitive. So we need to, we need to do this uh, collectively. We need to do it together. Um, and the act starts with the federal government agencies and the federally regulated sectors. So there's a, there's going to be a momentum that builds slowly as, as they do that work. And as that work impacts out, um, so our provinces also need to have legislation. Most do now, um, but they need to come in with something complementary uh, for all of the jurisdiction that they have, because they do in our country uh, have jurisdiction over things like uh, real, on a, on a uh, day-to-day basis, education, healthcare, um transportation in, in and inter, inter or in in province transportation and things like that so there's a lot of places where for a person with a disability the federal government if we could have the most most accessible federal government ever 
it wouldn't affect most people. I mean, most people don't wake up in the morning and go, hey, how do I interact with my federal government today? Um, right? So what we need is for all of those other agencies, all of those other industry, or regulatory bodies, et cetera, to come in, in place underneath and, and, and mimic or, or mirror what the federal government is doing um, in their own areas. And that's the municipalities, that's the provinces, and that's the private sector. Um, and so, you know, I want to be able to go to a restaurant and not worry about the fact that they only have high top tables. I want to be able to go to uh, the store and, and be able to, to get in even when there's snow piled up. Um, right. So there's there's a lot of trickle down. And, and to really, truly get to a barrier free Canada, we have to have everybody pulling together. It's an all hands on deck effort. But that also means it's a lot of education. It's a lot of process uh, and a lot of culture change, and it will come. But we now have an act and a and I I you know like it or not, we now have a me um, that's that's going to like that's going to you know wave that flag, shine that light, and and keep us pushing in that direction. You know, Stephanie, I, I, I have I've, yeah, we could talk just I know for days and days, but. <laughs> I, I, I want to bring up some um, complications that we've seen in the States. So I, I, I'm very proud of everything we've done. I think we've tried really hard and we've had progress and yay for us, but wow, we also messed things up so bad along the way. And that, by the way, is I think what we call progress, right? Because that's just what happens. But it was interesting that here in the States and that when we were doing it, the ADA, the Section 508, the different laws that we ask our government to do it first. You eat the dog food first, see how that goes, and we'll learn from you. And we did some very interesting, our trusted testers. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating to me as a citizen, and I was a consultant too, but as a citizen, to see which of our agencies stepped up. Mm-hmm. Because some of our agencies that stepped up, it sort of surprised me because actually they had to get out of jail card. So get, get out of jail free card, as they say, with monopoly, but like our department of um, defense, which has 23 agencies underneath it, they are the ones that created the trusted testers. So, and they actually could have gotten out of it, but anyway, so I, Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting as a citizen Mm -hmm. watch, but I think also what has gotten very, very confusing is, um, for me, and I know you don't, you, I know you can't fix all this, Stephanie, but uh, we see the accessibility community, ex- the accessibility industry doing things, investors coming in, investing in products that actually leave large sections of our community out, like, for example, some accessibility overlays. And so, the, you know, one thing that I'm so confused about is. How in the world do you try to get your hands around the market not playing appropriately when we, because I keep saying to corps like Neil, it's a bad example because Neil is such an expert in this, but buyer beware, know what you're doing. Look what the community is saying, but we don't see that happening very well. And so I just, I say that to you empathetically. Yeah. Because you are actually trying to solve some gigantic social issues that society hadn't figured out. So good luck with that, Stephanie. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, and you're right. It is. It, there are challenges like that. And I mean, ultimately, what we're what the the 
the goal is, is that through this work and as the government does this and with government's purchasing power and influence, um, we can start to demand that, right? So we can start to say, we can start to have um, within the within the procurement policies um, an assurance that what we're buying um, and what government is buying works. Um, but it won't, it, we will make mistakes. Uh, they There will be things that, that, we have to learn to fail forward with, um, right? We we will go. Oh, okay. We that didn't work out. We need to we need to go a different direction, or we need to we need to double back and and fix that. Let's hope there's not too many of those. Let's hope we 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 start to ask the right questions early. Um, but it's a, it's it's going to happen, and we know that. Um, and we learn from our mistakes, Stephanie. Yeah. I mean, let, that's how we learn. Exactly. As, that's human. Got to give people a chance to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we want people to not be afraid to start. As Neil said, uh, you know, before, oh, it's it's too overwhelming. I can't do everything. So why? What? I don't know where even to go. We want people to start. Right. Yeah. And and for me, part of my job, I think, in the first year is, is really trying to find uh, and set that baseline from which we're working. Where are we today? Um, you know, and and because if we're going to measure progress, we need to sort of, we really need to know where we are. So that'll be one of the things I need to do. But the other thing will be to, to really highlight um, for agencies uh, what other agencies are doing, where they're, where are their, you know, best practices, where are their little things. For example, um, you know, we have beautiful natural environment uh, in Canada, right? Um, and we want people to be able to enjoy it, all people. But what does that mean for our National Park Service? What does that mean? Uh, how do you make parks and mountains and oceans accessible to people? Um, you know, that is complex, difficult, expensive, um, but there are things we can do to improve what we have today. Um, and and there's an example of... Uh, of a, a, somebody on the front lines in, in one of our smallest provinces, I think, um, who who took it upon themselves to get a beach mat for one of the the local the local beaches, and immediately it opens up use of that park and that and that beach to all sorts of of groups who are doing adapted recreation um, to families to people who had never been there before. It was a, a small thing, and it's not everything, but it was a good step forward. And we need to let people know that taking those steps is positive, and it's a move in the right direction. So even if you can't do everything today, get started. Absolutely. And, and um, those those steps, you keep moving forward, you, you, you find when you look back that you've, you've, you've been on a journey and you've progressed. A lot of um, the accessibility industry and a lot of organizations are now deploying maturity models. Essentially what you're doing at this point is going through your countrywide maturity assessment of government and the federal government at that. I, I think that one of the things that we do when we do maturity work with people is the first thing we say is don't don't beat yourselves up about where you are now. 
know, it, it's, object, it's meant to be objective. And the point is you're doing this exercise because you have the goodwill that you want to improve. And so um, don't, you know, mark yourself realistically, you know, be honest about you know, the, the, the gaps that you have. But don't feel bad about them because you're, you know, the fact that you're taking part in this exercise means that you wish to address them. But it also means that you can then, um, through these exercises, align with, in the case of us, organization strategies. In the case of Canada, it's the governmental strategies and the long-term aims of, of the federal government to, for society. Um, so, that, so that you're not going against the, the, the flow of everything else. Because I think that when we think about the amount of energy we expend on some of these um, efforts, we have a limited amount of energy to, to do this stuff and a limited amount of resource. If we align that with some of the other activities that are taking place, then we're likely to get a lot more bang for our Canadian buck. Well, and there's, there's lots of examples, right, yes. Of, yes. of where we've done hard things before, where yes. we have embedded a lens um, on sustainability, for example, on, on greening our, our, our infrastructure and, and these sorts of things. We've, we've done hard things before, and this is no different. Um, it, it takes that same effort. And I think, I think we do have to acknowledge that nobody's got it perfect. Nobody's perfect. And, and in many ways, we won't ever be perfect because there will always be new things, changing things, and we will need to adapt. We have to be flexible. We have to be adaptable. And gosh knows, people with disabilities are flexible and adaptable and innovate every day. So we, we can add, to add value in, in doing that work. But nobody's perfect. There are corporations out there that are doing a really good job of some of this. And there are governments that are doing a really good job of some of this, but I haven't found anywhere in the world that's got it all right. Um, and, you know, Canada has, has set a, has set a goalpost um, and, and by passing legislation and putting in place myself and these other entities has said, we're going to do this. We are committed to it. That's a big step for a country to make. And, and I'm really glad that our country did that cross politics right? This is, this is not a political issue. Implementation is challenging. There may be political decisions that have to be made at some point that will not be my role anymore. Um, but the reality is that we've agreed we need to do it. Now how? Now it's the how. Now it's the nitty gritty. That's, that's great. I think that, <clears throat> you're right. That statement of intent is in itself very powerful. Um, and um, I think you, you mentioned green. Well, well, sustainability is a huge issue, but but actually, disability inclusion is part of sustainability. We talk about the sustainable development goals; it's in there. Um, and one of the things I'm passionate about is making people understand the the sort of economic concept of externalities. Now, we took, we understand them in terms of pollution, smog, and, and carbon emissions, but they come in design too, and yes. they come in societal impacts. So when we design inclusively, when we plan, and when I talk about design, it could be designing policy, it could be designing how government works. Then we can create those positive externalities of a more inclusive society that are so important. So I think it's 
fantastic that, that the long-term vision of the Canadian government and the fact that it is across politics and, and, and apolitical, I think it's a marker for the rest of the world to follow, and I hope they do. Um, and, and I know Deborah wants to get in one more comment, but whilst I remember, I want to thank my clear text for keeping us captioned and our friends for supporting us through our GoFundMe. So, um, and I'll hand it over to Deborah to close. Thank you very much, Deborah. Yes, thank you, Neil. And, and the question I have for you, Stephanie, is, and we talked about this before we got on air, but first of all, Thank you, Canada, for putting you in as their chief accessibility officer. That is such a major leadership thing. I'm so proud of Canada. But I believe our entire community, all of our industries, everyone has to get behind you. So you have to be successful. You have to be. And we all need you to be successful. And you're going to make mistakes. But I would say the one question I would like to ask you um, is what can our entire global community and industries do to get behind you, Stephanie? What can we do to help you? I know we're, you know, you're being seen right now and you, you know, you're on this show and there's others, but honestly, I really think it's all of our jobs to help you. And so maybe, you know, you can think about it and tell us now, but also yeah. as you, maybe you could come back yeah. in it like eight or nine months and tell us, okay, what do you need now? Because we got to get behind you to make you successful. And, and obviously you're the right person, but I just am saying to the audience, if we don't get behind her and she fails, this is our failure. We cannot allow this to happen. So, sorry. Okay. Well, well, <laughs> with that pressure. Um, <laughs> I'm bad about that. Thanks so much. Um, you know what? The the reality is it, it is going to take, like I said, an all hands on deck and for the community and, and the ad, the advocacy community, the the in the trenches everyday accessibility uh, community who's doing this work. I need your expertise. Um, I need you to tell me things. I need you to show me things, um, and 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 help me amplify the the need. Help me amplify the business case. Why are we doing this? Why does it matter? Not just because it's the law. Not just because it's the right thing to do, but because there's also there's a real business case to do it um and and that's not to not to take away from the fact that it's the right thing to do because ultimately that's duh um but you know actually our official social need more coffee um our official social media accounts launched yesterday um for my office so please help me spread the word um and uh and certainly uh you know we'll spread yours as well uh but it's, it's, it's coming together. Do you do you know? Uh, it's not that I said that. You know what? They're, they're too. I'll ask Jennifer. They're, yeah, they're too complex <laughs> to for me to fight. Um, unfortunately, nothing. That's nothing okay. We'll, is we'll easy. find them out, and we'll make sure the audience knows. Yeah, and I, you know, it, but I appreciate that, and and like I say, I need everyone's expertise. I am not an expert in all of this. I am a champion for it. Right. Um, I will I will lean on others uh, to bring that expertise to the table. Right. And Stephanie, you also need I'm going to get, finish answering the question for you. You need the corporations, the multinational corporations yeah. mm -hmm. to get behind you to share what they've done. For example, just bragging about Neil and Atos, what they've done right. with apprenticeships for accessibility, you know, professionals. Oh, my gosh. And somebody was talking about in the States. And I said, did you see what they did over there in the U.K.? 
Oh no, please. Yeah. And, and there are maturity models that That's like, right. yeah. They, so it, one thing I think we all could do is like, if you have something that's really good, send it to Stephanie, send it to Canada so that they can look and see, oh, maybe this, I just think it takes all of us. So it I'm going to officially stop talking, Neil. You'll be glad. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. And thank you, Neil. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's been it's been great having you on the show. Um, yes, looking forward to welcoming you back already um, and really looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have on, on Twitter. So yes. thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Bye, everyone.